0: This is Jamie Rodriguez, your host. This and every episode of J-Rod Concerts, the podcast. Are you new? Are you one of our listeners that has kind of stumbled here because of word of mouth or because you found an artist you liked and you don't know who this is or what this is about? We are a show about connecting artists to the world. Even if they're musical legends, whether they're current hit makers or up-and-comers, everyone has light a purpose that we can uh, shine on the world, and that's kind of like this show's mission. So welcome to the show. We also have producers here. We have everyone involved in the world of music. So if you're new, ride along, welcome. You can find out more about me and our show at jrodconcertspodcast.com or Instagram at jrodconcertsmedia. Now, today's guest, guys, so, so, so thrilled to welcome him, Josh Morningstar, guys. We had the privilege of watching Josh Rock, Third, and Lindsley in Nashville. I, I want to say maybe uh, last month. He, he completely blew the roof off. Maybe one of the best shows I've seen since the pandemic started. People were dancing in the hallways. It was not like standing ovations, like two or three of them. It was just really, really great. And Josh is uh, from Funkstown, Maryland. And he is one of America's greatest uh, songwriters, I can clearly say. He was named the 2018 Texas Radio Songwriter of the Year. And he has written songs alongside people like Kendall Marvell, Channing Wilson, and many more. He is also the writer of several Cody Jinks songs, including the number one hit, Must Be the Whiskey. And his songwriting credits are, you know, include people like Hayes Carl, Kendall Marvell, like I said, Cody Jinks, and Aaron Enderlin, the friend of our show. So we're so thrilled to welcome Josh, a Hank Williams aficionado. He knows so much about country music history. And we went deep into his songwriting. What a fascinating chat. Loved talking to Josh. And I think you will too. Do us a favor. Find out more about Josh at joshmorningstar.com. And he's on the road, guys. And I have to tell you, you don't want to miss this guy. He is amazing live. So check him out. joshmorningstar.com for tour dates. Uh, Without further ado, let's just jump straight to it. Josh Morningstar on J-Rod Concerts, the podcast. How you doing, Josh? I'm not too bad. How about yourself? Good, man. Good. Thank you so much for joining me on, on this uh, holiday. Yeah, man. Thank you for having me. Absolutely, dude. Exciting morning to have you, Josh. You're, you know, a true troubadour, a poet. And first, I, I got to tell you, Josh, we saw you at 3rd and Lindsley two, three <laughs> weeks ago, and uh, you just tore the roof of that joint, Josh.
1: Oh, man, I appreciate that. Thank you very much.
0: I've, that night was a lot of fun. It, th- th- there was something special there that night. I, it felt like like, it was like the, you know, with the masks off and, like, the timing. People were having a great time. Almost you know, felt it, normal, didn't it? It didn't. It didn't. There was some magic. There was some magic there, Josh. So I just wanted to acknowledge that. And but yeah. Man. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining. So much to talk about. We could go on for 17 hours. So let's get on with it, Josh. <laughs> oh, man. Um, so where are you coming us from, Josh? Uh, right
1: now I'm in Kentucky. Nice. Nice. Yeah. The in Kentucky. Up here.
0: Yeah. Uh, seeing my my youngest son jace cool cool josh so josh when you um when you have to like when you're working because being a musician is work people think it's all kinds of fun but the work the actual work of writing a lyric and writing music do you is this something that you go like outside your house and you work like do you wake up and you're and you tell your your family your team guys i'm going to work treated like a nine to five job or is it kind of like when the mood hits you josh
1: uh, it's a little bit of both um i i normally write in the morning i get up really early um and i find that i'm my most creative and most uh clear-headed clear-minded uh early in the morning so normally when i get up i'll you know get up and take my shower and get a cup of coffee and uh then i'll sit down and, and try to write and sometimes i get something and sometimes i don't uh you know but but i try to make a habit of doing it if i can't do it every day i I at least try to do it four or five times a week depending on
0: you know my travel schedule and all that kind of stuff so got it got it okay cool because yeah so so let me understand this because i'm fascinated by the process and you know we had a comedian here a couple months ago she's been in a bunch of movies and she said look jamie i love being a stand-up comic and every day i go to my office take out a legal yellow pad and I write. It's not even that I come up with something great, but it's kind of the discipline, you know, the, the discipline of writing whatever it is and honing that material. It seems like that's like your approach.
1: Yes, sir. Robert Earl King told me the uh, best way to write a song is to sit down and don't move until the song has come. He said, don't get up for a drink of water. Don't get up to go to the bathroom. Just sit there. And if you sit there long enough, something will come. So I, I tend to agree with him on that. I love
0: that, Josh. I love that. Okay. Okay, So you go into a room and I was thinking about this. I mean, I don't have the ability to write a song, but when I think of you and you've written all the great stuff, like, you know, wishing well, damn these birds. It's like, does Josh go in and channel something about like, say your mother, something about your father, a life experience. Do you go into a room basically and start and state, okay, this is my goal for today. Like, I want to write a song about the feelings of my father. Would that be the goal? Or do you kind of wait for like the random thing to come?
1: I, I, I really just wait for inspiration. Uh, sometimes, especially if I'm writing with someone else, uh, they say when you when you co-write you want to try to come in with two or three ideas of uh, already ready to go. Uh, so if'm I'm, if I'm writing with someone else, I try to have at least an idea for something. Uh, but if I'm writing by myself, I, I really just sit there with the guitar and fiddle around until you know I hear something that I like and then, uh, try kind of let the uh, you know, the, the chords or the melody or whatever it is dictate what the song will be about.
0: I love it, I love it, Josh. Okay, one more, one more question about your songwriting, but because you're just like another level, man. I mean, look, I, like, do you ever go in there and think, oh no, I don't know if this is going to be trite or not? Like, when I was like listening to your discography, that's what came to mind, right? Because, like, are people going to laugh at me ever? Does that ever come to your mind? Because, like, the Beatles. They can write, you know, obly do, obla da, but Josh Morningstar, man, you're always like so deep, so strong, you know. Well, I appreciate that,
1: uh, man. I, I I try to go by if I like it, someone else will somewhere, you know. Mm. Uh, there really hasn't been. I mean, I have goofy songs, like I have a weed song, a song about marijuana that's pretty goofy. Oh, that's uh, a pretty good song. Yeah, there's, <laughs> yeah. There's been songs throughout my my career that. uh you know, are, are a little on the sillier side, uh, really though, my only concern, I don't, I don't really worry much if, if people are going to laugh at it, or if people are going to like, I, as I'm writing, my, my main concern is that I like it, um, I love that. afterwards, afterwards, that's when the, well. do you think other people are going to like this, or is it catchy, no, that's when all that stuff comes in, but as I'm writing, really, my only concern is, do I like it, and is it something that I'll stand behind?
0: Love it, love cool. that, love that, dude. And and he comes across certainly, and your fans get that too. So, all right, I have to ask you, and I know you answered this a million times, but I have to ask you about Hank Williams, Josh. Mm-hmm. Uh, where did Hank Williams come into your life from? Was it from your grandfather growing up in in Maryland?
1: Yes, sir. Uh, so growing up, I I lived with my grandparents uh, most of my childhood. Uh, And they were classic country fans. Uh, Hank Sr. was my grandfather's guy. So he was, that was kind of my gateway into country music was, was that kind of stuff. Uh, But it was the 1980s. He didn't, he listened to, you know, all the 80s stuff, Alabama, Hank Jr., all that kind of stuff too, Randy Travis, but uh, Hank Williams was his guy. And because of that, he kind of became my guy as well, you know.
0: I love it. And Josh, why do you think Hank Williams is like still more as relevant as, as ever? Like like what is it about his songwriting that you see? Like why is it still as powerful as it is? Uh,
1: I, I think it's it's kind of, it's a little bit of everything. I don't know that in 2021 it's just his songwriting. I think it's kind of the mystique of, uh, you know, here was this this guy from Alabama who wasn't very educated at all. He didn't make past the seventh grade Uh, before he quit school. So he wasn't, he wasn't an educated man. He was a very simple man, uh, you know, from, from small town Alabama, but he was able to write these songs that, that were, they're, they're simple. If you read his lyrics, you know, he's not using million dollar words. He's using words that anyone can understand, but at the same time are so profound and, it's it's just i i think it's everything i think it's the fact that you know he didn't have to he didn't have to deal with the elvis presley phenomenon you know elvis came around in 55 hank died in 53 right so he didn't have to you know whereas his contemporaries guys like ray price fair and young webb Pierce, and nashville as a whole all had to figure out a way to deal and survive rock and roll hank didn't do that here he didn't have to do that so his music is kind of it's it's kind of frozen in time almost and is a, a portrait of this man who wasn't around very you know he was only on the national scene for four and a half years uh moving on over his first single came out in 1949 or 48 i mean excuse me 47 48 something like that and that was on a small label out of new york called sterling Records. so it's not like he was you know, he, he wasn't around for a long time at all. So I think that adds to it. Uh, there's this mystique around him uh, because, you know, back then country music wasn't really covered uh, in in the news. Uh, yeah. You know, there was only, <clears throat> excuse me, there was only one, okay wait. there was only one or two interviews that he did Um that have ever been published. One with a guy named Ralph Gleason who went on to found Ro- Rolling Stone magazine. Right. Uh, so there's the mystique. And then there's also these songs that are so simple, but so deep. Uh, so I think, it's, I think it's a little bit of everything. I don't think there's any one thing that you can uh, pinpoint as to why Hank has lasted you know, 70 years after his death, I think it's, it's all of those things combined to make for a very unique. Plus, you know, he was the first country music superstar. Obviously there was, excuse me, Ernest Tubb and, and Roy Acuff and people that, you know, had a career before him, right. but Hank was the first one that really went mainstream. Um, so yeah. he's, he was kind of on a different level than, you know E.T. and Roy Acuff and those guys and I think that's part of it too he was such a big star while he was alive and then he dies and then you have these songs and so I think it's everything that everything plays into it
0: And yeah absolutely Josh start rambling man that's oh no dude I (laughs) I I love it I love it actually you know like when I was thinking about you know he was married of course to Audrey Shepard and then he divorced her and he married um what's her name Billie Jean Horton so so I wanted to ask you about that, about like, okay, you're a road warrior, Josh. You've got a great, tremendous career, respected by your peers. What's the importance of being surrounded by the right people, right? Because the first wife was his manager. It, it Like, that is really important for an artist more than ever, right?
1: Yes, sir. Um, I mean, especially in this day and age, if you're going to have any, any kind of shot at making a living at this, you have to have the right people around you or else you're going to be you're gonna be miserable, man. Uh, I've been doing this for a long time, about 17 years, and it's only been since uh, Cody Jenks recorded Must Be The Whiskey, which was a song I wrote that uh, anyone's really given a shit. Most people had no, and most people in fairness still have no idea who I am, but more and more people now have heard my songs, even if they don't realize it, more and more people have heard my songs, and I owe that you know, totally to Cody Jinx. Cody. Uh, recording my songs gave me validation in the eyes of people. Uh, so, I mean, having a good team around you is is crucial to, um, you know, any type of any type of success. Not only in the music business, but I would imagine, you know, all business sure. as well. You know,
0: absolutely, Josh. Man, I, I'm telling you, like, I could talk to you for days. Okay, and, and like, okay, listening to your songs, like, such great stuff. Like, for example reading the lyrics to wishing well you know such a great song at or pulling weeds part of the theme of recovery and the way you play with words right the the way you you argue about it's like uh like tending to your garden and the way you play with all these themes Josh it reminds you of hip-hop and it made perfect sense when in research we realized man like Josh had a 90s hip-hop face. that's pretty epic (laughs) tell us a little it's like it's funny because we got it the other like we we realized it on reverse tell us a little bit about you and hip-hop Josh uh well so i grew up i was born in 83
1: but i grew up in in the 90s um and like i mentioned i I lived with my grandparents and they were big country music fans but every teenager rebels or at least most teenagers rebel and you know at the same time i was growing up so was hip-hop and uh hip-hop and country music the first person i ever heard say this was hank jr and he said uh the hip hop and country music, they're the same. It's just people talking about the things they've experienced, talking about their lives, the thing they're going through. So, and I agree with that wholeheartedly. At their core level, country music and hip hop are both art forms where people express themselves and their feelings through rhyme form. You know, so it's not really that different uh, at its base. The thing that that got me about um, hip hop was I, I was. I'm a, a poetry fan and always have been. I've, I've known Annabelle Lee by Edgar Allan Poe. Uh, I had to memorize it when I was like nine or something, nine or ten. So I've always been a, a, a fan of poetry. And just like country music, hip hop, uh, maybe not the stuff today as much, but back in the 90s, guys like, you know, Tupac, Biggie, Big Hun, yeah. you know, those guys, that's poetry, man. You can read their lyrics as poetry, you know? And just like you can with Towns Van Zant or Hank Williams or, or anything, um, what I really dug about hip hop was what they did with words, like the internal rhymes and multi-syllable rhymes and all that kind of stuff. That's what really intrigued me. And when I write, I try to um, bring elements of that into what I do, for example, um, in the song, Damn These Birds, yeah. uh, conversations with a raven who was black as every night has been hmm. asked if I would like to partake and take and bike it in Vicodin. So at the beginning oh. of that first line, you have conversations with a raven, which is an internal rhyme in itself. And then black as every night has been. Night has been is at the end of the line there. So you got two, you got AAB is formed. So you got conversations with a raven, black as every night has been. Asked if I would like to partake in taking Vicodin, so you have another internal rhyme at the end of the line, whereas the first internal rhyme is at the beginning of the first line. There, conversations with a raven. Then at the end of the second line, you have taken taken, which is another internal rhyme, and then end it with Vicodin, yeah, which rhymes with night, you know, night has been or whatever that word is. Uh, so that kind of stuff that came from being a hip hop fan, and that's one of my spectacular that's one of my most favorite things to do when writing a song is to try to put those internal rhymes in there because it's, it's fun to me. And there's not a whole lot of people in this genre of music that I'm aware of that write that way. You know what I mean? So I, I've, I've always been of the belief that, uh, you know, there's already a Cody James, there's already a Tyler Childers, there's already, you know, George Jones, Merle Haggard, all these people, there's already those people I need to be myself. And I find that things like that help to set me apart, you know, so.
0: Unbelievable. That's true. You have your own thing going and it's spectacular, Josh. Well, you're being being so generous with your time. So let me ask you just a couple more questions, Josh. You know, one of the coolest things about you is how everyone just raves about your heart and your good spirit. Everyone says, man, Josh. Will take the shirt off his back and put it on people who need it. This is like a universal theme It's beautiful. And we've connected a little bit with Cass Jones. He mm-hmm. raised about you, about your spirit. And you know, you guys met out in the road with Ward Davis and Cody Jinks, right? How was how was that encounter with Cass? And when do you realize, Josh, like, okay, like I can actually have a creative, serious collaboration with this individual?
1: Mm-hmm. Uh I met Cass, Cass's dad, Greg, is Ward's uh tour manager. So I met Cass, he would go out with Ward and Greg, and that's how I met him. And uh, Cass is 14 or 15 years younger than I am. Uh, But when I talked to him, the first time I talked to him, I could tell that this wasn't your average 22, 23 year old kid, that this was a guy that had a good head on his shoulders. He was very intelligent. He had been raised right. And uh, so that, that's, you know, I was like, awesome. So we kind of clicked on that front. And, uh, you know, Cass is, he's very easygoing. He, he doesn't make a lot of stink about anything. So uh, that makes him easy to travel with. And then um, because he's, uh, you know, because he's so young, he hasn't been uh, spoiled by the music business yet. He hasn't gotten jaded. yeah. So he's still excited about it. And that's, uh, that's good for you know my attitude and and my moods um, <laughs> and and we just kind of you know he's uh he's another person that is very into a lot of different kinds of music so he helps to bring elements of the things that he listens to that I may not into what it is that I do right. uh, and it's it's just it's just worked out really well he's been with me for It'll be two years coming up, not too soon, man. And that's, he's the longest employee I've ever had. Not that I look, I, I don't look at him as working for me. I look at him as working with me, but uh, you know, he's been with me longer than just about anyone. So Love it.
0: Well, Josh Morningstar, you have said it all. I just wanted to commend you and let you go because, Josh, as, as great as an artist you are, as a great as a poet, as a songwriter you are, the message that you give to the people, to your fans, through your music, your story, Josh, of resilience, it doesn't go unnoticed. You know, the fact that I think you theme that life is a gift and it offers us the privilege, opportunity, and responsibility to give back by becoming something more is your theme, and it's very inspirational. And I just wanted to thank you. You're a, you're a hell of an artist and a hell of a human being, man.
1: Well, I really appreciate that. Thank you very much, man. That means a whole hell of a lot to me. Absolutely. So take care, see you on the road, and be safe. I look forward to it. Thank you very much.
0: You've been listening to J-Rod Concerts, the podcast, with Jamie Rodriguez.